is going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of Coast to Coast Podcast. Coming off a good weekend for me. Got to see a Knicks game-winning buzzer, game winner out there in, you know, Miami Arena. And then got to watch my Hurricanes cut down the net. Griffin, big Suns win uh, just after this. Big Suns win. I'm Katie, so thirty nine, thirty seven. Book thirty six. It feels good. I don't like Luca. I'm out on Luca as a likable player. Fuck Luca, bro. I don't fuck with him. I'm out. But hey, we're gonna be talking about some guys that aren't even in the league yet. Uh, Griffin and I are gonna be spearheading this NBA draft stuff. We were really big on it last summer, and uh, we're gonna start a little bit earlier now because. Uh, there's a lot of people to talk about, and uh, the consensus has been, I've been listening to a lot of podcasts where people were thinking that this is kind of a top two draft, and then it drops off after that. I completely disagree. I think there's plenty of guys with high ceilings. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, they, they say that about every draft. They're like, oh, it's like, they'll say, oh, it's not this, not that. But like, look around, and a lot of those drafts pan out to be some of the best ones we've seen so far. Yeah, I also think this one in particular, I think the reason they're saying that is just because the top two prospects are so good that maybe they're just devaluing the rest of the class. But I think this class is super deep. And yeah, we've kind of been, you know, on coast to coast, the premier draft coverage team. You know, we did it the past couple of drafts. So yeah, I'm excited to talk about it this time. Yeah, so we're going to start with the top three. I mean, I think without even mentioning, we all know who one and two are going to be kind of the consensus opinion. And uh, number three has been through some stuff uh, as of the couple last couple of days. Uh, I think we all know who that talking about. But uh, I think we got to start at the top. Uh, Griffin's been hiring this guy ever since his name has been made public. Uh, this Victor Webanyama, uh, the player from France, center, plays for Mets in 92. Uh, he's a guy like none other. So, Griffin, I'll let you take it away with what you've seen from him so far. Yeah, it's just like generational prospect that, you know, we've heard a lot about him uh, ever since. Uh, Really, I think his breakout performance was that uh, U19 game against uh, the USA where he kind of destroyed Chet Holmgren, and that was before Chet even uh, went to college. So he's been uh, kind of a long-term prospect that I've been looking at for a while, for a couple of years now, ever since probably it was around maybe the 2020 draft. He's been kind of a name floating around like, oh, wait for Victor. Um, but really, generational prospect. I didn't, you know, Liam was texting me about, you know, doing this podcast. And uh, we were talking about player comps and stuff. And the the best one that I've seen, and I didn't want to steal it, but I've mentioned, I'll mention it here is Gen Z, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. And I genuinely believe that, like, you know, growing up, learning the game in a modern day NBA environment where, you know, guys are shooting the three and able to dribble at that size, but also, you know, with the with the prowess and potential of someone like a Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, who, in my opinion, is the third best player of all time. Like, I am through the roof on this guy with uh, his ability and potential in the league. And really, the only thing, and I think Liam will probably agree with this, is that could derail him in the NBA is injuries. So, you know, we're just hoping for an injury-free uh, injury free player here, hopefully. Yeah. But yeah, I'm 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 super high on Victor. Yeah, I mean, let's let's get into it. We're talking about you know guys that Victor Webanyama you know may compare to. I think it's, when it comes down to it, I think the best mode is kind of compare shades of players because this isn't a guy that you have a straight up comp for. I mean, yeah, you've never seen this guy before. Yeah, guaranteed. predating us. 
I mean, we know we've heard the Kareem one. I've heard Ralph Sampson a couple times. Yeah. I can't say enough about Ralph Sampson because I haven't seen enough of his game. Agreed. But uh, let's kind of look at some more modern examples. I think the first one that jumps off the page got to be Bull Bull. I mean, it's kind of an elite version of him in terms of the prospect. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm sure Bull was highly recruited, ended up going to Oregon, you know, had some injury concerns and so forth. But that's a guy who can shoot the ball, he can handle the ball, he can play defense, but, you know, isn't as polished as uh, Victor. Uh, who are some other guys that, you know, come to mind? Uh, I th- just staying on ball ball for a second. You've kind of seen, even though we think Victor has like way bigger potential than someone like ball ball has, we've seen, he's kind of had a breakout year with the Orlando magic and kind of seeing what that might look like in an NBA offense it has been like with the magic, I think should give teams uh, some hope with how Victor will translate. But yeah, we also came up with guys like uh, Chris Stapps, Porzingis coming over from Europe. Um, you know, my also injury concerns, but also, you know, able to shoot the three at, you know, shoot from anywhere, basically on the court, handle the ball a little, play some great defense, interior defense as well. Um, and you also mentioned uh, Giannis onto DeCumpo. Uh, go into that more. Yeah, I think especially from the defensive side, because, you know, Giannis is a guy who we've seen his career. He's, he's damn near seven feet at this point. I mean, mm-hmm. they're not going to really, you know, have updated heights, you know, like, Kevin Durant's been 6'9 forever, but we don't know. Kevin Durant is as tall as DeAndre Ayton on the court. Exactly. But, I mean, the way I see how Victor moves, you know, compared to a guy like Porzingis, who's much more of, you know, like kind of like standstill guy when he's going for jumpers and stuff like that, I think the fluidity in his body movements really like Giannis, the way he's able to, you know, go and get chased down blocks. That's Mm -hmm. the kind of thing I've seen. And, uh, I mean, a definite good projection would would be for Victor – you know, try and be able to bulk up. I mean, obviously, a Giannis bulk up is kind of a generational thing. You don't really see that now. Now, it's pretty hard to see, you know, because uh, he went from a twin. But if you could even get, like, 50% of what Giannis yeah. did, because Giannis was so, so small, and you've seen the transformation that he's had. Like, yeah. I think even 50%, like, uh, 30% of that would do tremendous, would be tremendously helpful for someone like Victor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that would be great. And then mm-hmm. diving into the player type, I think we can agree on this. He's kind of a generational two-way shot creating big, the way he's able to move around the floor, uh, and you know, the two-way factor that he's just such a defensive guy. Uh, one of the things that I wanted to mention is just how great he is on defense. He's going to enter the league as one of the premier shot blockers, uh, and he's going to continue that as long as he's healthy because – there's not many guys that can move like him and block shots like him. Sure, you see a guy like Gobert, but we've seen Gobert in the past get exposed for his inability to move around. You know, maybe Victor benefits from the fact that he's not, you know, as big, has had as much muscle on as these other guys to move around. But um, that's but that'll change after his rookie year. And I think what you were mentioning about his interior defense, I think his just his knack for blocks. And I think he just has great uh, anticipation. Like his anticipation, I think is really like knowing when to jump, when to block, I think is just off the charts when you watch him play. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about his offensive game. I mean, uh, he just has such great footwork. I mean, the game that I watched specifically, I wanted to see the USA game because I wanted to see him go against the best talent. You know, I mean, the, the one of the knocks on him is that he's playing on a team with Mets 92 that is kind of centered around, uh, you know, him, you know, in his development. That's why he went there. I believe their coach is 
kind of well-renowned. I think he might be the French international coach, which. Yeah, he's, he's at, he's on the French internet. He's, if he's not the head coach, he's on the coaching staff. And also I was reading an interview, like he was going to retire as a coach, but like wanted to come back for Victor to help him his, uh, help him grow as a basketball player. And I mean, we, you know, being on that staff, we've seen some of the best players in the NBA coming from France. I mean, you know, Rudy Gobert, Tony Parker, I mean, and no knock to a guy like Evan Fournier, who's been an absolute like insanity when it comes to international play. Mm-hmm. You know? And he big been in the league for a while. No, no knock against him. Exactly. Did not come off the bench in that next game I saw the other day, but uh, mm-hmm. nonetheless, I mean, his, and then let's get into like, like we're talking about his offensive game. He's got a really good like shooting stroke for the guy, his size. I mean, mm-hmm. that USA 19 game, like he was hitting step back, like three pointers, you know, very fluid. You know, not like rugged like you'd see with a guy like Bull Bull. I mean, what what do you think about his shooting and how it projects to the next level? Yeah, no, the the main word that comes to mind when I think of him is fluid. And I know looking at his stats specifically, the the three-point shooting kind of jumps out at you as not being super great, you know, for for his team that he's currently playing with right now. He's shooting around 29%. But with what what scouts look at when three-point shooting is not – great and trying to project out is free throw shooting and he's shooting 80% still like his form is super good. It's just watching the shots go in. That's mm-hmm. has kind of been an issue, but like I, to me, that's not a big concern. Just seeing how he shoots the ball, you know, the highlights specifically watching his games, like he has it down. The shots just aren't falling, but like, again, that is like somewhat of a concern, but like to me, it's not, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, especially like I mentioned earlier, he's at a team where they're trying to get him as much shots and opportunities as possible. You can't, exactly. You know, kind of put a label on that, that oh, he's not a good shooter when, like, he's kind of trying to just learn. You know, he's just getting his shots up at the end of the day. So uh, as long as, you know, the shooting form does not seem like it's broken in any matter, you know, hopefully no one tries and Markel folds him, even though he's got a good form to mess it up. But oh, yeah, yeah, totally. You don't need to see that. Um, but – yeah, moving on, I mean, I kind of wanted to dive in some rookie year predictions. Um, I think it's going to be really sky high. I think people think this guy, like, is going to be, like, rook- I think rookie, like, like rookie Luca kind of standard, which, honestly, like, I think Victor's a great player, but I don't think he's going to translate that quickly into the NBA. I think it's going to take him about a season or two before he really starts, you know, playing also- yeah, also guards seem to translate better earlier. Uh, just like it, it seems to take bigs uh, a little longer to learn the pace and speed and like play style that NBA bigs play with uh, in comparison to Luca, which I think I think that's a valid point you made. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, my predictions, I mean, go off and say what you think as well. I mean, like around 17 points a game, nine rebounds. I think he'll be amongst the top five in shot blockers around three, you know, with the Miles Turners of the world. Uh, he's going to be an all-rookie first-team guy as long as he stays healthy and should be a clear front-runner uh, favorite for Rookie of the Year. Um, and I mentioned my notes, you know, he's going to be an instant highlight real kind of guy, like how Porzingis was in his first season, you know, all those put-back dunks and things like that. I mean, the NBA is going to, you know, meet right off this guy because he's going to be so, you know. They already are. Exactly. They're already, you know, streaming his games, putting his highlights on the official NBA account. He hasn't even, you know, committed to the draft yet, which is crazy. Um, and then 
I mean, do you have any, you know, con- contradictions to these predictions? No, I just like I think maybe 17 points a game could even be on the low end. Like I, th- I was looking at just a bunch of like people who we consider generational prospects, like Luca. I looked at LeBron's rookie year stats. Like I think 20 points a game is possible for his rookie year. Um, but like definitely, like I, I agree with you in regards to like possibly struggling a little bit just with the physicality of the game. Uh, I think will be key, but I think he'll figure that out uh, as he goes on in his, yeah. throughout his career. So teams that he would best fit on, let's look at the top five because, like, as of right now, because he's not going to slip past that. So we mm-hmm. got Houston, Detroit, San Antonio, Charlotte, and Orlando. Where would you want to see him most? Um, Probably Detroit, just because I think Cade and him would be a sick duo. Um, but also, like, I don't know, I, 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 that goes along with Charlotte. Like, LaMelo and uh, Wemby, I think, would be a fun pair. But in terms of, like, developmentally, like, what would probably be best for him? Maybe San Antonio, like, you know, they have a, a history of, you know, de- really developing and especially overseas guys. Um, so, really, I think he'll be successful wherever he goes. But I think probably Charlotte um, or, or or Detroit would be. Maybe yeah. either, maybe not Detroit now, just because they have so many bigs. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't want to clog up that backcourt, but uh, or front court. But yeah, I, I'm yeah. leaning towards Charlotte. Yeah, I mean, at the moment, like, like I mean, obviously, when it comes down to it, every te- every team is going to say that Victor Webinyama, you got to take first best player available. In yeah, no, totally. But I think it would be hard for him on Detroit because we've seen how good Jalen Duran is. Uh, Wiseman had a good solid debut the other day. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I think Orlando would be fantastic. That that oh, would be yeah. the scariest teams in the league. I know they that have- would be crazy, bro. Markel Fultz is taking a leap this year. Paolo Franz, bro, like that would be that would be a scary, scary team. Mm-hmm. And I know Wendell Carter is there, but like mm-hmm. you cannot pass up on this guy because no. you have a lineup. And mind you, they also have Chicago's pick, who is uh, high up as well in this lottery. So you could be able to go out there. We'll get into it later. I would love if they got a guy like Anthony Black out of Arkansas to pair with Victor Webinyama. That's a heavy duo. Then you have a creator in Franz Wagner. You have a primary scorer in Paolo. And then uh, whoever you want to roll out at the two, uh, Suggs more than likely if he continues you know, to get better offensively. Uh, mm-hmm. team. I think that's the best fit because it doesn't put a lot of pressure on him early on. Uh, I would say San Antonio would str- would be concerning because I do believe he could develop there well, but at the same time, that franchise is kind of on a downward slope, and I feel like it'd be hard because Pop's not going to coach a lot more. You know, yeah. having to switch coaches. Uh, and, you know, sure, they'll have a lot of draft capital going forward, you know, after the DeJounte Murray trade, but uh, – mm-hmm. It's going to be in a situation where they're just going to put a heavy load on him. And, you know, that could lead to injuries. And it could also lead to ineffective shooting, which is going to, you know, put a negative, you know, label on him early on. Mm-hmm. Um, the Charlotte situation, uh, I just don't have a lot of, you know, belief with Charlotte. They're just really been a poorly run franchise. You know, sure, like LaMelo, that was a steal for them. Golden State should have never passed up on a guy like him. But, you know, now he's injured. I mean, I'm assuming he'll be back to start next season. But, it's the Pumas. Yeah. So, I mean, that could be a good – that would be a nice pairing to see. That would be a Charlotte franchise saver. And then with Houston, uh, I think if they get Webb and Yama, I think there's been rumors talking about it. 
James Harden would perfectly be a fit to go back there because they need a guy that can facilitate because he would struggle without a true facilitator on that team uh, because mm-hmm. if all there is is just guys that can shoot and they play pickup basketball around there. And yeah. it, would, it would be a weird situation with Sangoon because I guess you would want to put Wembenyama at the four because Wembenyama can, you know, play outside more and use, you know, Sangoon in that Jokic role. But interesting. That was my concern, especially with uh, how Silas has been coaching them, not really playing through Sangoon when that's probably clearly the best option that they have right now. That's kind of why I didn't mention them just because of, you know, they don't really have a lot of playmakers right now. Um, And if James Harden goes there, that definitely changes. But, you know, that would be interesting. And I agree with you completely on the Orlando take. And yeah, the reason I said uh, the Spurs and Charlotte both, because I agree with you. I think those both are both franchises in decline, but I think those are both franchises just like Cleveland in 2003 that need a kickstart in a franchise player like with Victor Webb and Yama. So yeah, it would just make them more interesting. A hundred percent. So We'll take we'll, we'll ease off on the Victor Webinyama for a little bit. I mean, mm-hmm. we'll touch back on him if needed. So let's take in the number two guy, Scoot Henderson. You know, G League and Knight went that route, second year there. Uh, six foot two, one ninety five. Uh, let's just dive straight into him. I mean, the obvious. You know, he's a slashing playmaker kind of guy. Uh, who who is the guy that you see the most out of him? I know there's a lot of athletic guards that people want to pin on him, but who do you see the most? Yeah, I mean, like. I hate to say it, but like like a Russell Westbrook, but like with a bet, maybe a better like potential for shooting and efficiency wise, possibly like he's just a dog. Like I like have you did you see that picture of him recently, bro? Looks like a bulldog. He's buff yeah. as fuck. Like like I like I just don't see him like not hitting as a prospect just because of his mentality, the way he plays the game. I think he's just like I said. I think he's a dog. Yeah, uh, I think D Rose. Uh, I was just watching that game versus, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Victor Webinyama, and the way that he's able to be, you know, like so, like have a good touch in that mid range area, you know, the little fadeaway jumpers that he has in this game. Uh, mm-hmm. I think that, that's where I really see Rose because, you know, Rose wasn't really such a great shooter, but he was serviceable, you know, like. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah, that's, that's better than the Westbrook. Yeah. Yeah, like, you could trust him on a three-pointer. Like, you could trust him, like, in a mid-range. Like, he's not your go-to guy, but he definitely could hit that shot. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, let's get dig into the evaluation. I mean, very, very bouncy guy. He is, crazily enough, not the most athletic player in this draft class because that's another guy we'll get to uh, in another episode. But, uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I see the, the John Moran in terms of how bouncy he is, but uh, I see – the D Rose and Westbrook's more kind of the physicality because he's a little bit bigger built, mm-hmm. probably more on the Russell Westbrook side in terms of the body type. Um, I think the jump shot he does get a little bit dissed on more than he needs to be, but then again, he's shooting thirty five percent, not on a lot of attempts. You know, his career high is like three three threes made, so uh, he's still got to work on that. He's shooting thirty five percent this year, but um, I think that, you know if he continues to get his playmaking. He's going to be a great guy that you can you know plug and play, and uh, we'll just dive into it. What are the teams that you think he would best fit on? Man, I I think like again I think probably 
I think San Antonio would be a good one, maybe even better than Victor, just because they don't really have like a dynamic guard like that. And I think he would fit nice, nicely next to their wings, like alongside Vassell and such. Like he would be a good fit in uh, in San Antonio. Um, also, yeah, like San Antonio. I, I think San Antonio is definitely like the yeah. place he should probably go um, because you know Detroit. Charlotte, like they all have guards. Maybe Houston, but again, that 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 cloud hanging over that franchise that is James Harden with other reports coming out recently. Like, I don't know if that's like I I just I haven't looked that far into the Harden to Houston things. Is that like a real thing, or is that just like a rumor? Yeah, it says that like there's true like. Like there, there, there's some truth to it. Okay, then, like, it, 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 he would also be nice in Houston, but, like, if, if Harden's going there, probably San Antonio's the spot. Yeah, I would say the only problem with Houston is just too much youth in that backcourt. Like, Yeah, I agree. Because all you have is just guys that just, like, can bounce. Like, that's a uh-huh. really bouncy backcourt with Green and um, Scoot. Yeah, I definitely would agree with you that San Antonio's the best spot. Because um, it's going to be weird because – there's a couple of teams that could very likely land this number two pick that does not have, did not make sense to take him. You know, mm-hmm. if you got, you know, Houston, like we said, who knows? Would they, would they make sense to take him? Detroit has no reason to take him with Ivy and Cunningham unless they, they sold, they sold their stock in Cunningham, which I can't imagine they would do. Yeah. Charlotte does not make sense alongside LaMelo, especially with Rozier there. And uh, I mean, Orlando would be interesting, but. Uh, yeah. Orlando would be cool. It would just be if they wanted to avoid, you know, paying, uh, you know, some of their other guards like Cole Anthony. Yeah, and they would have to trade off some some pieces. Yeah, I would have to agree with you that San Antonio would be the best. You know, have that core going forward of Johnson, Vassell, Sohan, and Henderson. Uh, I think mm-hmm. that'd be well, and you know, wouldn't have a lot of attention on him, so he'd be able to develop. And um, you know, if he's able to, you know, maybe Tony Parker comes back, you know, helps in kind of a player development role with San Antonio. I think that'd be a great guy to mentor him, you know. Yeah, and I could I could definitely see a similar trajectory in how like the culture changed around Memphis when Jaw got there with someone like Scoot going to San Antonio, which is like not necessarily a big market NBA team and like definitely changed the trajectory of that franchise. We're not talking about Jaw's off the court antics, but regardless, like city. (laughs) Yeah. Oh that's a whole nother story. Oh my, my gosh. Fucking jaw. But no, I mean, the top performances were the games I looked at. I mean, versus, you know, Victor Webanyama in that matchup in Vegas, you know, 28 points, five rebounds, nine assists, two of three from three. You know, looked very confident. You know, go, he was very aggressive going towards the basket against Webanyama. You know, mm-hmm. he was not feared. I think he was very motivated by the fact that, you know, people are so high on him and it kind of feels like he's been falling in the shadows. Uh, so I like seeing that. The mid range jumper was solid. Um, the form looks good, and I like the touch around the rim, as I mentioned mm-hmm. earlier. And then um, looking at the, you know, rookie year predictions, uh, what do you see uh, coming from early on? Let's say he lands with a team like San Antonio. What, what do you think people should expect? I, I definitely agree with uh, what you put, uh, the 14-6-4. and four. Like, I can, like, definitely see that. Maybe not great efficiency-wise, but I don't think he'll be bad either. I think he has a nice feel for the game from what I've seen. Like, I think he'll be able to be a serviceable guard from the jump with potential to be a future All-NBA player. Yeah, no, definitely, like, I could see some struggling, like, shooting almost, like, 
40, like 40 to 42 from the field, like 30, yeah. but like, you know, still like developing, like, he's not going to be a guy that, especially if he gets put in a situation like San Antonio, that's going to contribute to winning early on because, you know, he's going to need to continue to develop his game because like as much yeah. as he's going against, you know, some of these like G league talents, like, like against OKC blue, he went against Usman Jang, you know, uh, a top, uh, was he lottery? He was a lottery pick. Okay. He was, he was like lottery. 11, right? Yeah, 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 something around there. And then DJ Wilson, former uh, NBA guy as well, had like 27, 5 and 5, four steals. Um, I think, it, again, it, going against college players, which a guy later will mention, uh, mm-hmm. I think is a better way to see, which is, uh, I think the biggest knock on these two guys is we haven't really seen them play against, you know, elite talent consistently. Because, you know, when Binyama's had that game against Scoot in the G League guys, because there's a couple other guys on that G League at night team that are going to get looks in the first round. Uh, I was doing some research, like Leonard Miller. He's a, he's a forward on their team's averaging like 16 and nine. Uh, he's a likely, you know, potential late lottery guy in uh, City Sokoko. Uh, I don't know how to pronounce that name right. He's an also uh, a potential late first round guy as well. But, um, you know, it, it's hard because we haven't, I don't think we've ever seen a draft where the top two guys have been non-college. You know, it's kind of a mm. change of the guards in terms of how college will go, which will be interesting to see. I mean, obviously, you know, one of the big prospects, Bronny, you know, in terms of name value, will likely end up going to college. But, like, for when it comes down to, you know, like Carlos Boozer's twins, you know, very great players, who knows if they'll end up, you know, going the college route with the way things are looking. Yeah, it feels like the 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 mindset that these players has has shifted towards, like, G League or overseas rather than college, getting them better looks towards the NBA. Yeah. So, um, no, yeah, I think, I think we got that hammered on scoot. So, uh, mm-hmm. should, should be a good contender. I think if he does somehow doesn't go to, uh, he doesn't fall out of the top three in my opinion. I think the only reason he wouldn't go to is just fit. Like if it would be like a team that already has like an established young suit, like potential superstar point guard, I think they would miss mm-hmm. like, like go, wouldn't take scoot, but like definitely the second best player in this draft. I think the only person that could give him a run for his money besides our number three guy would mm-hmm. be Amen Thompson from OTE. I think if he performs well against – I, I really like him. I think that because he's got the same – he's got bigger size than him. Bro, he's 6'7". He's huge. He's a big guard. He is – I alluded to earlier, he's the best athlete in this class. Yes, without a doubt. Because people say Scoot's got a jump shot issue. That is nothing compared to what a men Thompson. No, has. what what people think Scoot's jumper is is Amen's. Like it's yeah. not good, but like he's he can jump out of the fucking gym. Yeah, and he's gonna be like an elite defender from day one. So mm-hmm. that's the one guy I think because OTEs doesn't really have much credit at this point because they haven't developed a real NBA talent. But those the Thompson twins will likely be the first two off that list. They'll so. both be lotto mm-hmm. picks. Like they both like will yeah. For yeah. sure. So we'll get in to the man himself, Mr. TSA Pat Down, Brandon Miller. Uh, it's crazy this, the, this what's going on with this Alabama team, but, you know, they're still going to likely be a number one seed going in this March Madness. You know, first college guy on this list, he's six foot nine. Uh, like, the, the, like the number one player as well in this class, not really big in terms of his frame. He's only 200 pounds. I mean, sure – you know, in terms of proportion, he's bigger than Webb Binyama uh, with the weight, the height, but still, he's much, much of a twig when it comes to a six foot nine guy. 
who are some uh, what are your thoughts on him and like what are some players that you see? His I really in? like him right now. Like the three and D, especially you know, barring whatever happened uh, with uh, that whole gun situation, the game right after that, scoring forty one points, like showed me he can like even though this is like not the best adversity, he can handle adversity. Like I've seen a lot that I like from him. And to me, like I wouldn't call this like a one-to-one player comp because I think there are better player comps out there, but like a Jabari Smith from last year with a handle. Like Mm -hmm. I think he's super solid. I really like him. Yeah. I mean, I went with Brandon Ingram's kind of like my, my key guy that I see when I think of Mm -hmm. uh, Brandon Miller, just the way that, you know, in terms of his frame and that he's still able to, you know, finish around the basket, uh, I think Brandon Miller's got a far better shooting touch than him at this stage of his career. Yeah. Um, the, the player type that I win for is a three-level score, and uh, I feel like in terms of draft range, top five. Uh, some of the takeaways that I had, I watched uh, not one of his top performances. I watched his game against Arkansas because uh, despite them not being, like, they're a middle of the pack defensive team, but they're a team that's got a lot of great, you know, team. I mean, player like individual defenders with Anthony Black, uh, Jared Walsh, so on and so forth. Uh, he's definitely a better attacker than people give him credit for, from what I can see. You know, he's sure he's not elite finisher, but he can definitely get to the rim and you know draw contact. Uh, it's just a matter of you know can he get to the line from that contact. Uh, I think he does need to improve on that lower body strength, though. You know, when he's, you know, jumping and, you know, attacking the rim against, you know, these bigger guys. But uh, I think one of the things you got to look at is he is by far the best player on this Alabama team. So when he's going against these teams, you know, in the SEC, like these Arkansas, like their main focus is shutting down Brandon Miller. And when you're going into the NBA, like early on, like teams aren't going to say, like, let's shut down that rookie Brandon Miller. That's not going to be like their main focus. If he goes to a team, I think like Detroit would be perfect for him. Mm-hmm. Like we're able to not be, you know, not come in as a number, having to be a number one guy for this team and where, you know, he's going to be able to get a lot of open looks because in that Arkansas game, a lot of the three-point shot attempts he was getting were coming off screens and, you know, off the dribble, which, you know, he's not, hasn't shown an ability to be great at that. But I think, you know, he's able to, you know, have a lot more, as the NBA spacing is obviously a lot better than in college, you know, especially with the, how big the court is. Uh, I think that will help him a lot, Uh, but what uh, what are your what are your takeaways with him so far? Yeah, definitely. Just expand like I the Jabari Smith comp that I had is not like the one that I love the most because I was looking around at people's like what people were saying like the consensus draft consensus was on what he has shades of and people were saying Paul George and I was like huh, I don't really see it athleticism wise yeah, but I, I I went back and looked at his Fresno State tape. And I was like, I definitely see it where the jumper is a little unorthodox, but it goes in. Like, I can definitely see it from that perspective. Um, and yeah, like, I just like a great score. A great score has like tremendous length. Like, I, I really see him translating to the NBA like perfectly. Like, he's just such a great player for the modern NBA. Like, I totally see where the hype is at with him. And he's a great rebounder for his frame. He's averaging about mm-hmm. eight a game, and like, he gets up there, like, with his frame, you know, long arms, he's able to grab those rebounds. Uh, and that's been a good thing to see. Uh, the one knock on him is like, you know, he had that good South Carolina game, but like outside of Gigi Jackson, that team isn't really talented. And like, mm-hmm. he hasn't performed really great when facing, you know, these top comparable NBA talents. You know, he went against Gonzaga. He had a good game, but it was in a loss. I mean, sure, like Alabama, 
they're a number one team, but without Brandon Miller, they they'd st- they'd probably be a lot. They would be a lot, you know, farther down the rankings. You know, going mm-hmm. against William Strother, a, a likely uh, draft pick, as well as Drew Timmy, one of the top college players. You know, thirty six 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 eleven from three. Uh, this is a guy who's going to early on, you know, be a really good three point shooter. You know, like how Jason Tatum was in his rookie season. You know, came out, you know, shooting like forty percent from three. And uh, kind of diving into then to the rookie year predictions, I think he's going to be a leading scorer from this class. Uh, that's what my my take is, you know, over a guy like Victor Webanyama, uh, because I think that his fit will be, you know, will, I think whatever teams that he falls to, uh, I believe the team that will take him will be a good fit uh, to slot him in. I think teams aren't going to, you know, take him as best player available. I think they're going to take him based on fit because uh, of how this draft goes after number two. But uh, I think he's going to shoot around 40% in three. And I think I think he's going to have a better season than Scoot. And I think he's going to be the runner-up for Rookie of the Year. Um, but, you know, I'm hoping he ends up with Detroit. That's kind of my, you know, my favorite destination for him. What about you? Yeah, no, I completely agree on Detroit. And I think, yeah, like 40% is definitely possible. He's shooting 46% from three right now at Alabama. Like, he's a, he's a great shot maker. And, yeah, definitely Detroit would be, like, I think – definitely the ideal spot for him. Uh, but like also like someone like Charlotte, I think would also not be bad. Um, just like, I think Brandon Miller is like such a plug and play player. Like he could really, he could fit on any NBA team. Like he's just such like a, he's a shot maker. He can do, he can do it all. Yeah. Would you, do you think he projects better as a three or a four? I mean, I know positions aren't going to matter too much in a couple of years, but what do you think? Yeah, I think like rookie year probably three, but once he builds up his frame a little more, he could definitely play the four. Okay, so kind of like I mean, not trying to say he's going to be anything near that, but like how Kevin Durant's transitioned in a way. Yeah, yeah, I I agree. Yeah, he just has to put on some more weight, I think, if he's going to play the four consistently. I like I bet during his rookie year he'll play some four, but like if he wants to have consistent minutes or even start at the four, I think he'll probably have to put on some more weight. Yeah, and my other one was I think Charlotte would be a great fit, uh, a team that doesn't have a lot of great three-point shooting, and I think it would be a great guy for, you know, Mello to, you know, mm-hmm. drive and dish to. And uh, I, we forgot to mention this earlier, Mark Williams has actually been pretty solid for the Hornets. Mark Williams is a dog. I yeah, really so, like him. Uh, that would be, you know, great to have. You know, you could even – because you could put Brandon Miller at the four uh, with Charlotte because you'd have such a strong rebounder down low with Williams. Uh, gives mm-hmm. a lot of additional flexibility. Um Anything else you want to mention on Miller? No, maybe some character issues, but, you know, we'll see. <laughs> so, I mean, before we wrap this up, uh, like, are there any you know, things you else want to mention about Scooter Wemby, or is there anything, any other players that you're excited to, you know, evaluate going forward? I'm really excited to talk about the Thompson twins, especially with the OTE angle, seeing how they transitioned the NBA, like seeing how the competition that they faced fairs to NBA play. I'm really excited. I really like Cam Whitmore out of Villanova. He's a really good player. I've loved what I've seen from his tape so far. Um, yeah, I'm just excited. This draft, I think, is the deepest we've had in a while. Maybe the 2021 class is pretty deep, but also yeah. like this class, I think, has potential to be super great. Um, yeah. And especially with the two upcoming classes seemingly being not super great like this is going to be one to pay attention to yeah yeah for sure i mean uh 
we'll see which range we go through next. I mean, we did one through three, maybe we'll do four through seven, something like yeah. that. But uh, Anthony Black is another guy that I'm really high on. I mean, from what I've seen, like, he's got that tall guard, playmaking vibes, you know, reminiscent of a guy like Josh Giddy, Tyrese Halliburton, DeJounte Murray. You know, when I was watching tapes from their college, I was seeing things really similar to Black, you know, a six foot seven, 200 pound guard, very good uh, defensively, you know, has some jump shot concerns, which seems to be a big thing with the guards in this draft. Interesting. But, you know, know, go ahead. I just want to throw in one more player that I liked that I forgot to mention, Uh, kind of in the, uh, the Jalen Williams from last year out of Santa Clara, Maxwell Lewis out of Pepperdine. Watch him. He's going to be tough. I really like him. Uh, I love the, I love the guards that come out of the, uh, the non D one schools. I think they have some, uh, uh, they always have some dog in them. Yeah, exactly. I know. Especially like guys like black, you know, like Amen Thompson, you know, this new age NBA potentially going positionless, you know, mm-hmm. be able to have that size, you know, to play multiple positions and guard multiple positions, uh, I think it's going to be extremely valuable. Yeah, this class definitely has a lot of, like, positionless players. Definitely. Yeah, I, and I think a guy like – I mean, honestly, we'll save it for the video, but a guy like Anthony Black, I would love to see him fall to a team like Toronto, you know, if they decide to move on from Van Vliet. Like, that mm-hmm. fits the whole scheme with guys like, you know, Scotty Barnes, uh, Pascal Siakam, OGM Nobi, all that stuff, just switchable defenders. That, that totally. So uh, there's definitely some more guys we got to get into. I mean, we got March Madness coming up, so that's going to be, you know, really telling for a lot of these prospects. Uh, I think uh, all eyes are going to be at a guy like Jairus Walker, for example, looking to help lead Houston uh, to the promised land. Uh, people I've seen like Julius Randle's been, a, you know, a cop for him. Obviously, mm-hmm. Randle, you know, had a long development period in terms of the player that he's now today, you know, now the all-star he is today. But, uh, I mean, like, look at Paulo Banchero. Paulo, Paulo Bancaro, for example, kind of earned his draft stock from that tournament. Uh, mm-hmm. so let's see. I mean, are there uh, any other guys looking forward towards how they're going to play in terms of their development? I mean, definitely Jairus Walker. Like, I'm excited to see from him in the tournament. Um, yeah, that's – I don't know. He's just the one that I, like, I haven't done that deep of a dive on that I'm excited to see if his draft stock will rise because – in the in the mock draft, seemingly throughout the year, he's he's risen a lot. So mm-hmm. I'm excited to see him. And I'm I'm excited to see the Kansas wings as well. Grady Dick and Jalen Wilson. I mean, Jalen mm-hmm. Wilson could very well become that OG Ananobi guy. You know, Austin Pacer comp, comp, but like uh, you know, an uh, upperclassman wing that can end up you know sliding into the late lottery potentially. So uh, a lot of other guys look at. I mean, we'll have to do a dive on some teams. You know. Like Kentucky's got some interesting guys there. I mean, Casey Wallace, um, a lot of interesting uh, team. You know, you got guys that aren't even going to be playing in the tournament. Uh, and then obviously these guys that aren't even playing in college in general. So, uh, mm-hmm. see. so we appreciate you guys for listening. Uh, we'll drop some graphics to go with this and uh, make sure to drop some love and support. We got some stuff coming out coast to coast, uh, some new interesting things going on in the future. So hope you guys all stay along and peace. Go Suns.